Hello, welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham, and I am an Amazon seller. I am a software developer. I am here uh, right now. I'm, I'm just way too fact-based. I want to give you guys ideas that you can implement in your business today. So I have with me Joe Zalta from Riverbend Consulting. Um, Joe is a seller, and then he had um, many of his own selling issues and decided that there are so many um, compliance things where, you know, Amazon sellers run a, uh, run head to head against Amazon's seller performance team. And so Joe has a lot of experience. This team has a lot. I've worked with them on more than one occasion um, to get ASINs and accounts back up. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Always great to yeah, no, we, we've we've definitely um, been in communication for a, for over a year now, and uh, you guys have saved my bacon on more than one occasion. Uh, two months ago, we had an ASIN shut down, and we tried and tried and tried. And I was like, you know what? We just have to <laughs> we have to get this solved, and so that's why we we called in the the, the ringers. So thank you for that. We were patient, but like we we got uh, we got the ASIN back up. So win win. There's so much to talk about right now with um, what we thought was just like a normal, you know, inventory uh, uh, limit announcement six weeks ago. Uh, Amazon said like, hey, we're not going to do ASIN level limits. We're going to do account level limits. You know what? It didn't affect me immediately. So I didn't care too much. But um, now it affects me. <laughs> about two weeks ago, um, we are our, our primary account by boxer you know we we hit our limit we couldn't ship anymore and so you know we scrambled and made do with some things and then the next week which was like maybe i think a few days ago our private label business which has a far better utilization uh, inventory a really good sell through it got its uh inventory chopped in half i mean this is just like kind of crazy at this point so, I mean, like, what, what have you seen uh, that's going on out there and like, what are some solutions? <laughs> I think most sellers, uh, even larger sellers had a very similar take on it that you did. I think like a month ago, everyone was like, all right, so you're going to, you know, it's, it's no longer an ASIN level thing. And now it's an account level thing, but it doesn't affect me because, you know, they looked at their performance index and it kind of gave them, you know, a lot of room to grow. Right. So. Just for example, if you had 50,000 units in FBA, it was allowing you to send in another 50 or another, you know, 70. Um, and then the next week went by and that got, got lowered from, you know, an extra 50 to an extra 30. And then all of a sudden this past Monday, everyone woke up and they were all over. Right. And no one had any limit. And I think that's when everyone just started, you know, really woke up and said, holy crap, like, <laughs> what the heck are we going to do here? We cannot send in any goods. So now I know for a fact on my end and a bunch of my clients, they called us and they were like, what do we do? And, you know, on Monday morning, instead of placing your reorders and, you know, building your business, you were sitting, calling your vendors, or if you were a private label seller, calling yeah. your suppliers and saying, put the brakes on for a minute and yeah. try explaining to someone that doesn't know Amazon, by the way, I can't send in any more goods. That's like a, you know, that's a red flag for a lot of people. So saying it in the right way and, and kind of, Pushing, 
uh, kicking the bucket down the road to a lot of people is probably the right the right uh, strategy because anything could change, right? That this, yeah. this was a very dramatic and extreme change by Amazon. I happen to think that it's not going to really stick around that long because I don't think it's sustainable for Amazon to do this, uh, to limit their sellers from sending inventory. But we were just chopping it up right before you, uh, you know, you yeah, started you, the podcast. You, you had an interesting theory that I hadn't heard before that like, you know, the fact that Prime Day is a month away is not an accident that, that, that it's happening right now. So what I kind of think happened is, you know, Amazon had the ASIM restriction on there for about a year, right? So it was yeah. March to March or yeah. April you know, 2020 to March. And then when I think they lifted it, everyone got trigger happy, right? Everyone was loading up inventory on their best best selling ASICs. I think even Amazon didn't anticipate on how much much inventory Amazon sellers would send in. I just think that all their data is changing so quickly because more Amazon sellers are joining than ever before, right? Yeah. There's there's statistics out there that there's two, 3,000 Amazon sellers joining Amazon every single day. The biggest sellers are just getting bigger and bigger by the month. It used to be by the year, yeah. but by the month, they're, they're growing 20, 30%. And I just think that they didn't anticipate all this inventory coming in. So it did. I guess they got spooked, right? And they said, wait a minute, we have Prime Day coming up in about two, three weeks. Instead of everyone sending an additional two, three weeks worth of inventory and selling that on Prime Day, why don't we lock everyone's account for the most part and have them sell the inventory that they're already sitting with? My hope is that right after Prime Day, hopefully a week or two after, everything kind of gets you know rerun and uh-huh. hopefully everyone has Again, this is just a theory. Hope I'm right, though. For yeah, no, I. this would be the first time that I would see Amazon doing such a unilateral move like this across all sellers. I mean, maybe you could say COVID was like that last you know, April, but, um, but this is a little bit different where they're, you know, just uh, they're, they're starting to really protect their space that they have. And they're really incentivizing um, they're, they're incentivizing so many different behaviors. And the truth is for the years that I've been selling on Amazon, I usually really understand where they're coming from. I mean, like I get the Q4 storage fees. I, I, I get the long-term storage fees and I've seen how it's actually forced us to be the type of seller that they want us to be. Um, we start, you know, we have a discount schedule when something gets like, you know, older, we, um, in Q4, we don't just send everything October 15th, you know, with like truckloads of, of inventory. We actually, you know, you you start to yeah. you pace it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you send something October 15th, you get stuff to land November 15th. You know, you, you do these like just-in-time inventory solutions because if they can get the millions of sellers to do that, how it makes their utilization just so much better. Mm-hmm. So I usually really understand where they're coming from, where I'm having a hard time right now and why I personally think based off of <clears throat> conversations with Amazon employees and just uh, my own intuition is that um, this will be, you know, they're, they're going to fix this. Um, I don't understand why an account that has like an excellent sell through on all their products, these are private label or like new to like we're the only Amazon seller, why they would allow that to stock out. 
mm-hmm. when it's just like guaranteed sales, you know? Um, I actually want to jump in on that. And I'm going to ask you a question right after, yeah. after this. Okay. So a lot of times sellers, they think too much from a seller's perspective and they kind of forget for a minute that Amazon doesn't care about them as much, but they oh, really right? care about the consumer. Yeah. Right. So we all think as this big seller community, how important it is to us that we're on the first page, that, th- that yeah. our items are selling well. But take a step back for a minute. Again, we we, sh- we shouldn't do this all the time because obviously we have to focus on our own businesses. But if you're Amazon, do you care if, let's say, product A, B, and C is in the first three spots, or, or does it is it interchangeable? Right? Is it, right. it interchangeable? That that the next three four guys down there will rise up and take those people's spots. At the end of the day, it's real estate, and those real yeah. estate. That real estate is going to generate revenue, whether it's your products, my products, or someone else's products. Sure. So maybe, and just a thought that popped in by to my head this morning, maybe between the review manip- manipulation thing that they pulled two weeks ago with this whole antitrust and you know really pushing that to get big sellers off that had fake reviews because those guys were locked into the top spots, plus the inventory limit thing, which is going to force sellers, no matter who you are, to sell out. And other people are going to take those spots. Maybe this, this is all a little bit of a, a move on their part to say, it doesn't matter who you are. We want we want change. We want things to kind of come in right. and products to well, rise to the top. We want to diversify. What yeah. do you think on that? I mean, um, this has already incentivized the behavior that I think they're going for. Like, um, even in this top selling, I mean, like the, these uh, the, our private label accounts, um, there still was a few ASINs that had like a lot of stale inventory. Well, guess what we did on Monday? We we slashed and burned. We're like, okay, it's time to get through, get rid of a you know a few thousand units here at a loss. I don't hate the loss because I mean we want to like sell through as is, but um, like um, and to, to hit your point, like. Um, there, there's certainly just a lot of different factors and they, and, and if you're, if your warehouses are full, your warehouses are full, you know, yeah. you have to do something. And so you, you're right. They may not really always care. They don't think about, um, everything that we care about. Um, but here's a thought I never had before. So, you know, they used to have like a, a limit on ASINs. What about even if your account is limited? They're like, well, we're going to whitelist these ASINs just because we know that um, you're low on inventory. And if you just gave us two weeks, we could, we could always keep like you could send in 300. You know what I mean? Where um, say you're red, but like your top movers that are just say the AI says like, well, we know these are going to sell through. And it, historically, they're the only ones that are selling it. They could send in 300 of this, but they can't send in anything else, mm-hmm. you know? That would be smart because that, I think, it, like anyone else's business, right? There's usually an 80-20 rule where you're doing most of your business with yeah. your top SKUs. If they whitelisted, you know, the top 10 SKUs from every account, I'm sure people would be fine. Yeah. So um, I, uh, someone that I'm connected with when I, you know, started talking about this, uh, his name is James McConnell. He, um, he, he has a 3PL. And so he's like seeing this uh, you know, on the front line. He said, um, you know, talked a lot about the utilization rates. He's got some clients that still aren't uh, limited. And 
if there's a unifying factor among those, it's that they usually have lower weeks of cover. And Amazon sees, you know, that like uh, an ASIN is, is like, you know, selling really, really well. We have uh, just-in-time inventory and um, that the robots of Amazon, they like that. And then that's when they start to grow your limits um, versus, you know, where people, maybe they maybe have great selling products, but you just have like eight weeks of cover. And mm-hmm. right now that's too much for them. Um, so, you know, what's fun, Scott, let me ask you this question for a while. I always felt that if you're competing on a certain search term or if you're, you know, you have a really strong product and you're going after it, right. You want to be in the top three, five, seven spots. They don't always put the product that has very little inventory because they know that it's going to sell out. They want to put products that have a good amount of inventory behind it because it's a good investment for them. So that's a little bit contradicting, but. I, 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 that might've just changed. That might've just yeah. now after COVID and the limited space in warehouses, that might be the new thing. Well, I mean, Amazon is, uh, yeah, they're one company, but they're also like uh, divided into like a hundred different companies. You have your people that are doing your, the search results, you know, that, that control that, the algorithm there. They're not the same people that are like managing warehouse capacity. Mm-hmm. And so there could be both of these things that we said, I uh, can have some truth to it. Um, and so, I mean, there, there's certainly legit, uh, just thinking logistics, there's lots of things that you can do. Um, you know, we're improving our sell through, uh, our products that are just like super deep, um, with like, you know, a thousand units and we're not selling very much. We're going to make that stuff start to sell. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, um, you know, there, there always is FBM and, those that really started to embrace FBM because of COVID last year, you know, it's time to refire that up um, and make sure that, you know, your inventory is stateside, able to sit somewhere. So uh, should the situation change um, as, you know, things will obviously change into Q4 that, you know, you can send stuff in. I, I think it's, by the way, that's, that's a big, that's a, that's a big thing because, I think for a while people got spoiled, let's say over the last six months when just everything was flying, right? The business since really January. Obviously, December is amazing. January is pretty good. March was just off the charts for most people because of the stimulus money coming in and just America getting out again and shopping. So I think everyone got a little spoiled. And what I started to see is most of of the bigger sellers were shipping direct from their supplier to Amazon because there really weren't many limits, right? People were sending goods in. As long as it was selling quickly enough, you could do that. And they started to forget about that, those three wonderful words, right? 3PL. Everyone forgot that they needed a warehouse. So especially going into third and fourth quarter, I think Amazon is basically singing a wake-up call and saying, guys, you're going to need somewhere to store your goods if we can't take it all in at once. Yep. So having either you know somewhere to store goods and then peel off of it, but your suppliers are not just going to sit and, and listen to you say, yeah, push it out another four weeks, push it out another four weeks. When they made good for you and they want you to take it, you might have to take it and store it somewhere and then just peel off of it. I think that's the probably the smartest thing to do. And obviously, like you said, and even that sitting, lower it, hit it with some ads, hit it with a deal, hit it with a coupon. You got to get things moving. Um, we're, uh, we're planning on, I mean, I didn't want to do FBM at all. We, you know, last Christmas, we, after doing a thousand or so units a day, um, 
I, I feel like I burned us out. Um, <laughs> but I, I think we might have to with some of our products. And, you know, it's kind of a survival, a stop gap. But I think, you know, this year is kind of a stabilizing year. Um, it'll take the entire year to do it. Don't think that Amazon can stabilize uh, with so much happening, you know, from a, from a macroeconomic perspective. And so um, when I do FBM, that's just kind of like, you know, it's not to make money. It's just to like float. <laughs> it's got some, it's got some different headaches and different costs. Um, so yeah, you, you're totally right. You can't forget about a 3PL and what they can do. And hopefully you made a good relationship last year. I mean, I know I talked about it. A lot of other people talked about it. Hopefully, you know, you did it. Um, so another issue that's, um, you know, very current is the, this newest wave of review manipulation suspensions. Mm -hmm. And boy, like that took, you know, some of the biggest. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was related to that leak or not. I kind of feel like it was. Um, and we'll, we'll never know for, for certainty, but, um, but it's just like Amazon just doesn't play games with review manipulation. No. And so what's your take on this, this latest and like, how do you see it moving forward? So because of the space that we're in, you know, Riverbend is in, we, we've been dealing with these type of things for, for years. Um, it, it never really happened in waves like this. It was much more, uh, it was more singled out in the past where if someone was blatantly doing something, you know, whether it be the Facebook thing or the bots or this or that, or the inserts, you know, if Amazon caught wind of it, there used to be a warning. So they used to give you a warning on your account. And usually after the warning, you know, you would get suspended if you did it a second time. But we used to help a ton of sellers get out of the suspension, even if they got a warning and then suspended. Usually the rule of thumb in my company, which we understood was, if you get warned and you get suspended, you have usually one more shot. We can get you back up. If you get warned and suspended again for review manipulation, you toast. You got no shot. Might as well just pack up. So, you know, over the years, we've seen a lot of those cases and we've warned a lot of our sellers and we've kind of given them some really good advice on how to not do that and still, you know, be productive and, and you know, request reviews the right way and, and all that. But the, the problem that really happened here is that the guys that got nailed, you know, again, it's public. So like MPOW and these type of guys, they were accumulating two, 300,000 reviews, you know, within a few weeks at times. And, you know, what that was doing was it just was not making it a fair playing field for anyone that had new and great products in those categories. And very similar to what we were talking about earlier, at the end of the day, if it's MPOW or if it's Anchor or if it's yeah. Scott or Joe's product, Amazon's getting that sale. So you know, yes, sometimes people will search for branded products, right? But a lot of these guys, even MPOW, is everyone searching MPOW or are they typing in Bluetooth headphones? Right. So if if Amazon realized that they were really breaking the rules, one, it, it affects them because they're not trying to play those games. Two, once 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 they get bad publicity in the media, yeah. you're done. That's the last thing they want. No, and I, I heard from my team about that. Once that starts to chat the, the chatter happens internally they become they become totally different people 
Um, I there was, I think, maybe even some rumors or whatnot that like the FTC has actually already been after Amazon, you know, internally say like, hey, you need to like get after these people. But some of some Amazon employees were like hesitant to, you know, because they're such big sellers, they didn't just like put down the band, ha- band hammer immediately. But it, it wasn't until it went public that they're like, okay, we have to. Yeah. You know, that their hands were just like tied at that point. Um, what, uh, just because you see this a lot more and I'm, I'm very interested to hear what are the top reasons people, I mean, uh, where they get caught for review manipulation. Are we to think in product inserts, emails, or, um, uh, you know, the, the rebate, uh, tools, like what is. So, so the, mo- the most common and the truth is, this is what I think brought down a lot of those big sellers is there are, there are softwares that will auto create new buyer accounts uh-huh. and this is mainly in china so again you know if you're not uh, doing that then, then you know don't worry but there's a lot of these bigger sellers had they call it the warehouse farms they have huge huge warehouses out in china hundreds of people sitting there and they're auto creating brand new accounts buying products and leaving reviews so that's why when you see a product that launches you know that launched three weeks ago as 10,000 reviews, that's obviously not, you know, accurate. Yeah. But Amazon has done things over over time to protect themselves and to stop those things. But yeah. you know how the black hat, you know, the black hat right. communities, they always find a way around it. So they caught it. And that was a big reason. That was a big um that that, that was that was probably from what I saw, the people that got nailed, yeah. that's probably the biggest yeah, common the, the review groups or review farm services that like I mean, everyone's probably, if you've been selling for a while, you, you've gotten someone sleazy, like t- selling you some sort of review service. And, and like, it usually does look sketch. So yeah. if someone's reaching out to you very proactively, like, like, hey, I can get you reviews. That's probably the last place you want to, to try and get them. Um, I heard uh, just this last week, someone um, uh, through actually their product insert their product insert were very, you know, they were against, they, they, he kind of knew they were against terms yeah. of service. Yeah. And uh, so that's certainly one to watch out for. And um, that's, that's an old school, you know, Scott, like people have been doing that for like five, six years. Yeah. Anyone that thinks that they get away with it for a while, they just keep doing it. But again, that's, that's something that Amazon knows. They can easily check, especially if your goods in FBA. Yeah. They do a bin check your beat. So yeah. Yeah. That's, um, now, what about just because I've, I've, I've talked about this a, a little bit lately and I'm very kind of neutral. I've never used a rebate service, but I think it's a very interesting conversation because Amazon professionals are actually split down the middle. About half of them think they're totally against terms of service and about half of them think they're fine that like you can give a rebate to someone outside of the platform of Amazon. And, you know, you don't, you don't request a, fi- a five-star review. You, you let that review thing happen, but what you do is you get that sale outside of the platform. I mean, you reimburse them outside and then, you know, it gets that sales rank higher. And I know in spirit of the law, it's a hundred percent against TOS. It's uh, you're manipulating the, the, the search algorithms and that's why I've never used it. But um, they create very compelling arguments um, about 
They're not like, you know, what's the difference between doing this and using an influencer where you pay them to promote a product. And I, I, I see kind of, you know, the, their point a little bit, but, um, you know, you guys, you work with accounts that are suspended. So weigh in, please. <laughs> so I know what my partner would say. I mean, I've mentioned this to her many times because a lot of our sellers have, you know, has told us over the phones and it's our, you know, duty to tell them what we feel. Leslie and our entire team say clearly that it is against terms of service. Right. Clearly. Yes. But me as a seller, I know, and I've been around, you know, I've been in the game long enough to know that a lot of people do it. So here's my take. Um, it is not only is it against terms of service, but there is something else called sales rank manipulation. And that's another suspension type, not just review manipulation. Ah, right. We've seen probably 30, I would say, between, you know, the four or five years that we've been doing this. 30 different cases of sales ranking manipulation where they've clocked it. They've clocked the rebates. They clocked the URL that people put in there. They try to set it up where the keyword goes directly to, you know, the page. And it looks like someone bought it through keyword, those, you know, those, uh, those, those shorter URLs. So yes, the URLs. So again, it is against terms of service. I understand a lot of Amazon professionals would say, again, you can make an argument. But us, as a as a compliance company, we're not going to say that it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I do know people do it. And uh, again, I don't recommend it if you don't have to. There are other ways to do it legitimately. And, and uh, again, great product, great listing, great advertising. You can start your price low if you, you know, that's a, a form of advertising. There's so many other ways to rank your product. Better to do it according to Amazon than not. Totally agree. Um, oh, one other thing. Sorry, Scott. Just- yeah. Just want to throw it in there. I can't say who, obviously, but we do some audits for some of these big aggregators, right? They come to us and they say, "Hey, can you look into this account before we buy this business?" Right? When we when we dig and we find some of the dirt, if we find something that says like sales manipulation, sales rank manipulation, or review rank manipulation, that's like a huge no no. So for all those private label sellers out there, if that's in your in your dirty laundry you're probably not going to sell your business. So that should incentivize you to really find other ways than doing something shady yeah. because it's going to bite you at the end of the day. I know. I was leaning towards uh, doing it and I, I was like, okay, maybe we'll just do it a little bit. And then um, this latest thing that happened, I was like, okay, nope, back over here. <laughs> Let's focus on um, you know different marketing efforts. And you're totally right. It does cost money to use these services. And so, you know, spend that money on marketing and, 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 and stay on the right side of things. Um, that, that's, I, I definitely share your perspective. And I really like how, you know, you've been a seller. So, you know, that temptation, you know, you know, that like, Hey, like you'll do anything to like, you know, to juice sales. So this is a, it's just a very interesting subject because there's actually a lot of Amazon professionals that provide this service. And that may be why the, uh, you know, the waters are a little uh, gray um, here. Um, shoot. Well, um, I mean, it's kind of crazy, you know, 2021, all that's happened and um, how, uh, you know, we, we, I knew it was going to be a good year to sell, but, you know, you don't know all the issues and, um, you know, some of these things, around, you know, 
<laughs> that Amazon could be limiting our inventory for Prime Day or that they were going to suspend, you know, all of these Chinese sellers. Um, what, what, what do you think else is in store for us? Listen, man, it's a pretty crazy year. It really is. It's funny. I would say the, the craziest part about all this is most Amazon sellers, especially if you've been selling for three, four years, you're, you're having your best year, right? Most people are having their best year. Right? Amazon's growing as a company, more customers. They have all these different things, bringing more people onto the platform to shop. COVID obviously accelerated all that because all the retail stores were closed. So they picked up that huge, uh, you know, chunk of customers that used to go to brick and mortar. Now they don't. So it, it's really, it's all set up for you to have the biggest year you could possibly have. And my advice to so many sellers and people that I spoke to in the Amazon space, you know, months back, even before all the challenges of, of bringing goods in with the container costs in China, and now India is having their issues, right? I was pushing everyone, guys, be aggressive with your projections, be aggressive with your forecasting, because Every year for the last two years, right, especially the last two years, your fourth quarter sales, you all sold out. You could have done so much more business if you actually had the goods. You know how many people have told me I sold out December 6th? I sold out December 4th. Every single day from usually December 1st through the 17th or 18th, even the 19th, it's like Black Friday, right? It's yeah. Cyber Monday. The sales are insane. So Who's I was telling people, I said, double down. Yeah. And then don't forget that. It's different than in retail, in traditional retail, where stores are just like crickets January. On Amazon, people are returning things and still shopping. So your sales don't even dip that much from December to January. It's still a good month. So yeah. God forbid you overbought, you'll be fine in January. Yeah. So yeah. all those things, I think most people thought, but now that Amazon threw this inventory yeah. issue on them, they're a little scared. I think everything will be fine. Like, right, Scott, we got to be a little optimistic. Yeah, things will be okay. Yeah, everyone um, will be okay. Right. I, I like like what you said. You know, we're 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 going deep because I do believe in the evergreen aspect of Amazon. Say you go too deep, yeah, you're gonna have a little bit of a uh, you had to upfront some cash, but you know you'll 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 have a chance for your inventory to equalize in the coming in the following months. So, um, I mean, I can say all the money that we would have done in revenue had uh, we just didn't stock out so you know if you believe in your product you believe in your marketing it's the time to, to continue to, to to grow well um uh joe thank you so much for your perspective i'm i'm always uh, surprised um uh, you you've been a big contributor to the community as a whole i think riverbend uh consulting um they add they make amazon selling better because you have answers to questions of like, hey, what happens if your account gets shut down? So I can give a full th throttle recommendation. Been happy with the two times that we've uh, used you guys and you know the conversations that you know I've, I've pinged you guys with over the past few months. Um, so um, I mean, yeah, yeah. So if you if you ever if any of you listeners you know are uh, looking for you know someone to backstop you with, you know, the right knowledge of how to stay on the right side of Amazon. Um, you know, Joe and his team at Riverbend, they, they, they do great. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. And always uh, welcome to any, any comments, any conversations you ever want to have. We, we respect you and your podcast and your company and, and all the things that you've built. We're, we're very excited about 
know, where you're going and we're all going. Amazon selling communities, it's it's a great place to be right now. So thank God. For sure. Thank you. All right. Well, that, that wraps up for what we've got today. Uh, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. And if you heard something that you really liked and, uh, you know, share this episode with someone else so uh, we can, uh, you know, pass around the knowledge. All right. Well, thank you and uh, take care. One, two, three. Yeah.